Welcome to the Unbranded Podcast with Miss Dean Loves You, where we have interesting conversations with interesting people and learn about unconventional ways to live our best lives. I'm your host, Susie Dean. I'm a former teacher, mother in her MILF era, and wife. I have the incredible experience now of exploring topics and ways of living that I've always been curious about. The conversations on this pod are always relaxed, authentic, and might just teach you a thing or two. I promise that every episode will leave you with a deeper sense of self and understanding for those who are different from you. So get comfy cozy, grab a drink of your choice, and let's have some fun together. Are you ready for a therapy experience that will knock your socks off? Introducing BetterHelp, the online therapy platform that's revolutionizing the way we connect with therapists. Let me tell you, I found my own therapist and she is an absolute queen. Her name is Regina and she's completely transformed my life. Gone are the days of expensive and inconvenient therapy sessions. With BetterHelp, you can access affordable and convenient therapy from the comfort of your own home. Trust me, I've been there. My last therapist was amazing, but the cost was through the roof. With BetterHelp, I found the perfect fit, and it won't break the bank. Now let me tell you why I'm obsessed with Queen Regina. Every session is like a journey of self-discovery. She challenges my thoughts, she digs deep, and she uncovers those hidden issues that I never knew existed. It's like a mind-reading magician unraveling the mysteries of my own psyche. But it's not just about uncovering the deep stuff. It's about growth. With Regina by my side, I just know I'm on the cusp of something incredible. A second spiritual awakening, a transformation that will rock my world. And Regina is there right in the middle of it all, catalyzing my journey like no one else could. BetterHelp gives you access to a vast network of licensed therapists, each with their own unique specialties. So whether you're seeking help for anxiety, depression, or relationship issues, you'll find the perfect therapist who truly gets you. And here's the best part. If you don't vibe with your therapist, no worries. You can easily switch without any penalties or awkward conversations. Queen Regina is my second therapist with BetterHelp. BetterHelp understands that finding the right fit is crucial for your mental well-being. So are you ready to find your very own Queen Regina? Don't miss out on this life-changing opportunity. Visit the link in the show notes to start your journey with a licensed therapist from BetterHelp today. Remember, your mental health deserves the best. And with BetterHelp, you're just one click away from a transformative therapy experience. Start your journey now and unlock the incredible potential within you. Visit the link in the show notes and let the magic begin with BetterHelp. Are you ever going to start up your podcast again? Yeah, I plan on it. Yeah, you've been saying that for like six weeks. Well, I think we're going to start it when... um we move why which is apparently next month i know i know and i know that you're so excited about it i'm like indifferent about i was uh when i saw that email today i was like man i wasn't like mentally ready for that so i was like processing it it was originally like the end of august i mean the end of october and then like um you know builders are notorious for being late and right. so 
then it was like mid-October, beginning of October, now I end of September. So you're, I think, I guess it'll be good. It'll be good to have like Halloween in a neighborhood. That'll be fun with the baby. I mean, I know that you don't participate in Halloween, so. I, I stand, I will sit in, on our driveway, driveway and um, pass out candy. I think that'll be so much fun. So you're indifferent about moving earlier than we expected, but you're not indifferent about moving into a house. That's what I was talking about. I'm like indifferent about moving. Oh uh-huh. no! Yeah, I mean, a- we. It would be. You're nice excited have, about that. Yeah, it'd be nice to have our own space again. Um, our own backyard. It's been a while since I've had a backyard, at least four years, um, three years. Mm-hmm. 2019. So yeah, about four years. When I had a backyard, that's when I was thriving in my garden. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that kind of stuff. We can have our own garden. We can have. Um, you know, all that stuff, all that stuff to make our own. We'll put a fence up. I'm grateful. I am grateful that we're moving into a home, that we are in a place that we can buy a home. Obviously, I'm upset to be leaving where we are. I know it's not possible for us to stay here because everything is $7 million. But I am very routine oriented. I'm very like I need stability and I thrive on stability. And like this is where I've lived my whole entire life. And I'm change it up. No. And change is good. You know what else? I know change is good. It's gonna be an opportunity to grow. But I think that a lot of people that I've spoken to at least it just wasn't a part of my like future dream to have a home. It'll be nice for us to have an office space that we will share. I'm excited for a garden, but like our friends, our friend group is so. Yeah, Taco Tuesday. It's going to be a little bit more tough. Um, you know, making that drive. It'll be LC, It'll be like only two houses we'll be able to go to. Well, at this point, it's really just one house because everyone gonna... has so many kids. We're going to have to make sure that we see them still because I don't know a life and you don't know a life where we are not constantly around friends. Yeah. And this is going to be a new thing for us. And I just remember when I moved to Florida, I had no friends. Well, I had two friends, but they were both full-time students. Um, And this was like 12 years ago, 11 years ago, coming up on 11 years ago. And um, you just make friends. I know, but based on this Facebook group that we're in, I don't know if I want to be probably won't be in our neighborhood. <laughs> but it'll be, it'll be. We'll find some people. Friends, we both work from home. Church, brewery. Yes, though. I don't drink anymore. True. Neither do we. Neither do you. Yeah. Like we neither neither of us drinks, so we're good. I know that you want to keep telling yourself that in the hopes that it'll become a reality, but <laughs> no. I also, one more thing before we move on, my walks. I love my walks. My morning walks and my evening walks, especially. I mean, we live in a historic district. I don't want to just walk around a neighborhood where I'm looking at the same version of a house in a different color. Right. You know? So now what am I gonna have to drive? Apparently, though, I was talking to them. I think last time uh, there was there's probably four or five other models that all sold out before we moved in. So there's, okay, there's probably still. some variation. 
I'm just now as far as color, it. it's all gonna pretty much kind of be. So what? It's gonna be like seven different models that I see over and over and over again. There's like I'm not gonna be seeing know. the 1920s historic homes in different colors with beautiful gardens. Every single yeah. one is different and unique that I see now. Yeah, it's true. We're on this podcast today, and I wanted to bring you along. It's the first day of school. It's been like officially a year since you left the classroom. Right. I think it was August 10th of last year, too, when it was like my last day of preschool and then the first day of school, which started my maternity leave. So it's been pretty much officially one year that I've been out of the classroom. Yeah. And I got it in my head yesterday that I wanted to do my school morning routine today since it's the first day of school and I woke up with the same alarms and I got ready and I took I went to Starbucks and I took the same route um I dropped off some coffee to Sarah because it was her actual first day again and she was actually going into school because I wanted to replace the emotional association with that memory because I think of school and I get nauseous and anxious and worked up and I yep. wanted to redo that routine in the hopes of changing my association with it because I'm in such a different place now. And what I found was that was a really bad idea because instead of changing the emotional relationship with that memory, I just started off my day really anxious and really worked up. I had to take a nap. You know, um, I've pro- I've known you the entire time you were teaching. You've been teaching. And every year around the fall where you're kind of supposed to be enjoying pumpkins and and mm. like the my favorite, you know, season of the year for the most part, um, you've always just been a nightmare. I know. I mean, I mean, uh, I know. Not like a nightmare. Just uh, oh, like a nightmare. Just, you know, just waking up and coming home and like hitting the sheets. I mean, yeah, it wasn't a nightmare. I just wasn't here. Like I wasn't there. I wasn't present. And it is tough to be with. I guess subconsciously, like I always know that that time of the year is very hard for me. I don't I don't start to begin to feel like myself again until November. Right. And throughout nearly my entire pregnancy, I was so excited for fall and so excited for pumpkins with the baby and like pumpkin beer. I was buying it when I was pregnant, like stockpiling it and football season and I thought you know on the surface yeah it's exciting to like experience fall with your first baby but I think maybe also subconsciously I was looking forward to it because it would be my first time since college where I would be able to enjoy the fall time without that type of stress yeah fall is a great time and I mean it sucked that every year it was like this It was always like this at the beginning. You were like this at the beginning of the year. And then like towards the end of the year, you were just like, same, same Susie. Just. Well, it did really suck because I, there was no way for me over the five years that I was teaching to figure out a way to make that period of time better. Because that's like the crucial time for setting a foundation and expectations in your classroom and building relationships. And I, there was a time when I was staying at school pretty consistently until like nine o'clock. We weren't living together, but you remember that. Yeah. I remember bringing your food. 
Yeah. And I, I was making lesson plans. I was grading because, you know, it's the beginning of the year. This is when the kids are deciding, like, is she going to be an easy teacher? Is she going to be a hard teacher? I don't teacher? think that was your first year of not being, of not co-teaching with somebody else. Right. And, it and was so, my- you, yeah, it was like the same amount of students and it was all paperwork. Whereas like after COVID, everything, all the paperwork was online. But before that, it was all manual papers where we like read the kids stories which is definitely interesting there were lots of fun there were lots of fun things we should got to enjoy we definitely should have copied some just i still have a lot of pictures on my phone oh read it at the end i was having to like stay late and grade and grade hard and grade specifically so that they knew that my expectations were high and that i was like reading their stuff and not someone that was just like passing along grades I needed that time to like, I, I did go over the top. Like I didn't have to do all of this stuff, but I think, no, but I think it paid off where I would like send personalized emails to kids' families for the first couple of weeks yeah, um, yeah, yeah. to kind of establish relationships and point them out. Then when kids like find out their teacher wrote a positive email to their family, like it makes a huge difference in your relationship. And decorating my class and just god i was there was there's no exhaustion like that type of exhaustion it is just complete well i mean half the time we were hanging out the beginning of the year was just grading papers i was helping you grade actually thank goodness for that having the opportunity to hang out through grading papers that was one thing covid did take away from us was your opportunity to help me we would go to ethan's house and just divide up the papers that was so much fun it was so efficient that was a good time that was a good time. So you were there from, we've been together since I was in college. You've known me since, bef- since like, I wasn't even planning on being a teacher. Yeah, you're you're trying to, like, uh, you know, get an office, be, like, a counselor or something. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then. And I'm like, you don't need I- to do that. I would have been a great therapist. No, you would have. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, we don't need to do that. Like, you're going to be a stay-at-home mom. And you're like, no, I'm not. I know. You were, like, all like, no, I'm not going to do that. Stick it to the man. And now here we go. Like, I have really come full circle. I love being a stay-at-home mom. Well, I think think it was just a surprise to me that that ended up being what my personality was like. Just how it surprised me that I ended up being such a good mom. I know that you wouldn't believe this, but I'm a very patient person when it's not you or my parents. No, you're not patient with me <laughs> and definitely not your parents for sure. But I was so patient with students and I'm so patient with the baby. I, I just surprised myself oh. in the classroom. I was always incredibly patient. So I think it's just surprising to me how how maternal I am because I always based myself on my mom's experience of being a mom because we have so many similarities and she needed to get back to work as soon as possible for her mental health. And I figured I would be the same way because I also struggle with the same mental health stuff that she does, but it just manifests in a different way. Like, I love being at home. Yeah, I think most people, um, I mean, mean, we're both privileged because we are able to work from home. And I was telling my boss this the other day, or maybe like six months ago, of how it's super nice. Like, I can't imagine being away from my kid 45 hours a week plus drive time. So, like, 50, you know? So, um, it's nice to be there for, like, the little stuff where 
to talk. He walks, um, makes those weird noises, and um, learns how to high five. Yeah, learns taught him how to high five. So I mean, it's just it's you know going going. Um, it's it's pretty awesome. Being a dad, I know we are. We are so lucky. Like, can you imagine if we both worked out of the house? We would not have the relationship that we have with him. We have like years, years worth of hours spent on building a relationship with him that other parents. Well, they only want to like spend time with us. Um, They only want to spend time with us for like the first 10 years of their life. Then like somebody else becomes their hero. Yeah. Oh, that won't happen with us. We'll be the cool parents. I mean, we'll be cool parents, but like, it just won't be the same. They want to like, I remember growing up and like people would be over, like my whole family would be over for something. And I was just like in my room chilling. Yeah, I know. You know, I didn't like care if they were there. And now I'm like, now I appreciate being around my family a little bit more. Yeah. Obviously, like my family's fun. Like. Yeah, um, but love being around your family too. I remember you telling me about this like Teach for America thing, and I don't. I remember you saying like being super proud that you got in um, to because it, it didn't have a high acceptance rate, and so you kind of went from like um, being super pumped, um, and then some people kind of made it sound. Or, didn't want you to do that and oh yeah um then you were like my dad just yeah like super disappointed and uh so it's kind of like this like this like overjoyed of emotions just kind of crashing um and so and i just want to clarify i wasn't just i wasn't disappointed that i got in i was disappointed that like the people around me weren't as excited as i was right yeah or proud yeah so um well, I, they probably just didn't know of the program and how difficult it was to get in and stuff. Well, I remember Brownsville, which we talk about a lot. Um, so Brownsville, we were just kind of dating at that time, right? Yeah. I think we were just dating. Yeah. And I just kept on telling you, like, it's okay to quit. And you just wouldn't. And you just kept on going every day. And I'm like, Susie, it's okay. Like, this isn't fun to, like, hang out with you anymore when you're just, like, yeah. depressed. Oh, my gosh. You um, almost broke up with me. I think you, you didn't give me an ultimatum, but... No, I didn't give you an ultimatum, but it was definitely crossing my mind. I'm like, what is, like, this isn't, like, I see you once a week. I saw you once a week because you basically were an NCU during the week at all. So the only time I saw you was, like, Friday evening. um, And it was just, like, not not fun. Like, I look forward to seeing you all week, and it was just, like, not fun. And so I was just kind of over it at that point. And I'm like, but, like, I would tell you all the time, I'm like, if you're going to do this, like, you know, like it or, you know, quit because if you don't like what you do and I think you just had in your head, like, this is a, you weren't really thinking about your mental health. You were just thinking about, um, my future. Yeah. Like this is a resume builder. This is, I need to finish a resume builder. You like everyone that told you it was a bad idea. You didn't want to like, you're stubborn. So You didn't want to like, um, there's that aspect. And so, but it was just, it was bad. And then you quit and that was a relief. 
how long did it take before you got another job and how did that how did how did that job happen so i uh i don't remember i vaguely remember that there had been so much anxiety and like depression and dread right i like stopped eating around it all and i remember waking up one morning my mom would wake up with me and I chose not to live in Miami because I think in the back of my mind, I always knew if I want to leave and get out of this, but I have a lease, like I'm not going to be able to. So right. I was close enough where I could yeah, get away. We didn't do that. I, know. I was, I know. I was, then you'd actually be stuck there. I know. So I was close enough that I could get away with living at home, but it was yeah. an hour and a half drive and I'd have to wake up at like 430 to arrive there on time. And I would get there at 6.45, which school didn't even start until 9, but I had to arrive by 6.45, you know, before the Miami traffic started. So it was kind of a pain. And I woke up one morning crying and because I just didn't want to go and I was at a loss. And my mom, I was crying so hard and my mom was just so fed up with me complaining and not doing anything about it. I think she said something like, and also she was under the impression that I was just spoiled and she had yeah, spoiled I remember me. saying that. And I remember saying like, you know, we didn't, we weren't tough on her. Weren't yeah. Tough. Like she just thought that I couldn't handle the real world. And she was like, you know what, Susie, this is what life is. And it's my fault for um, spoiling you and not showing you that this is what it's like, but you're going to have to suck it up and deal with it. And I cried so hard and I left the house crying and I made it one exit before my mom called me crying terrified that I would get into a car accident because I was crying and she begged me to turn around call in sick and spend the day with her and on that day I had cried so hard I popped a blood vessel in my eye and also on that day I was like okay I'm not at school I feel good I need to be I need to be purposeful with this day I wanted to be purposeful with my day. You had recently had a conversation with me over a Mexican dinner where you didn't give me an ultimatum, but I could tell in your voice. You were you were kind of like, something has to change because I'm having a hard time. Because it started, it, you probably said something about how it was starting to bleed into our relationship and our time together. And so I went on a really long run. It was in October. There was like crisp in the air. And then... I think, I don't know if it was you or my mom. Well, I think, I mean, I told you, I'm like, I can literally get you another job. Yeah, I think you said. And like, if you need to do quit. it for, if you need to do it for a couple months, fine. But I can I literally think it's get you the first job. time that you actually said you should just quit. It was. There's several times. But no, yeah, yeah. no, I don't think so. I think you might have hinted at it, but I think this was the first time you said you should I quit. And I remember bringing it up and you're like. You don't have faith in me. And I'm like, no, like, that's not what I'm saying. No, I that's don't. Not, me. No, like, like, that's not what I'm saying, but this isn't normal. And you finally said you should quit. And that kind of was my permission, I guess. And I got super drunk, drinking wine all day on the couch with my mom. And she was like, yeah, quit. And I sent out my resume to... Um, a position at the Breakers to be a poolside bartender, which I always, I always wonder what would have happened if I would have taken that job. And 
I texted one of my probably wouldn't have married me. You probably would have like married like some hotel person that was rich. <laughs> so yeah, but then we wouldn't have Hawthorne. So right. you're welcome. We don't want to talk about that. So I also reached out to my teacher friend who was a teacher of mine who still works at that school. And I said, hey, if there are any openings, like, let me know. And she just gave me an email of someone to email. And they emailed me back immediately at my old high school. And I got in a, I got interviews for like that Friday for both positions. And I had to, yeah, I had to leave school. I said I had a doctor's appointment. And I went to both interviews back to back. And then at my old school, they essentially offered me, they offered me the job on the spot. Yeah. And that is, I will tell you, I tell you to this day, that is the most excited I've ever heard you about anything. More excited yeah. than when I got pregnant, when we got married, when I gave birth. Honestly, your no, voice you told me this the other now. day. You told me this the other day, and I literally don't even remember my reaction. You so. you were like, oh my God. <laughs> That's what it was like. Oh, okay. I've never heard so much emotion out of you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I mean, then it was really hard. And then it was really hard because I was like, okay, well, I guess this is more like adult and financially responsible because I get like a 401k. But how fun would it be to be a poolside bartender, cocktail waitress at the Breakers and make you that interviewed tips? at the Breakers? Yeah. You I did one interview. back to back. I liked teaching for a while. I think you liked it when you had a co-teacher, kind of someone else to lean on. I think that's when it was pretty easy. Not easy, but like. I think you were a little bit more into it. It was a little bit more exciting. Yeah, um, there was a lot more support. I was kind of... You didn't feel like you were getting... I mean, they, between, like, the attitude from, like, kids or parents or anything like that um, was fine. I mean, honestly, you probably were fine up until COVID. And then... Teaching through COVID. Teaching through COVID was great. I'm talking about when you all went back to school. Yeah, that's when that's when I think it kind of turned went made a downturn for the worst. And you're not the only one that said that. I mean, everyone, every teacher, I feel like that is, you know, parents forgot how to like parent or something because they just got ruder and ruder, more rude. The kids, the kids did get more rude in my experience. And we all had an opportunity because they had just experienced a year where they could cheat off of each other and know that they weren't going to fail. You know, because right. we as teachers were told to give them more time, give them easier grades and give them less work. And so then when we came back, that's all they were used to. And we had an opportunity to get them back on track and hold them up to a higher standard and get them back to what they were before. But they weren't used to that. And then all these teachers had all these students failing because suddenly they had to, like, do work. their work again. <laughs> yeah. And then... You had schools. I'm sure there are good schools that were like supporting the teachers and holding the kids to a higher standard. But at least in my school, um, when that happened, they were like, you need to be easier on your grades. You need to pass these seniors whether they're ready to graduate or not. Mm-hmm. And it did start getting really hard then. The, te- the cheating was out of control. Um, I got attitude when I called it out to students. And I had to really. Like you're like, probably the one of the teachers that were caught were calling it out and there's other teachers that they had in school that weren't too yeah so they had other teachers that didn't care about these things so then i'm in a place where like i'm sacrificing my values as a teacher um if i'm going to 
layoffs and not read these things so closely. When I got called down by administration to have less Fs and like give students 50% for things they didn't turn in, that's when I was like, I really am a babysitter and I'm not doing my job by these kids. I'm not setting them up for success. And then when you're just passing students that don't deserve it and know that they don't deserve it and you're turning a blind eye when you know that they're copying and pasting, like they weren't even creative with cheating you know they're copying and pasting, then they're not going to have any respect for you. Right. So it just became a hostile environment. I had no respect for my students. I was trying my best to make things engaging and meaningful for my students, and it wasn't appreciated because they knew they didn't have to do it to pass. Mm -hmm. And then I just, it took a blow to, I mean, it kind of took a blow to my ego because I had so much pride in my job and what I was doing and how I was helping shape these kids and the relationships that I was building and all of the opportunities I had to walk with them and hold their hand through hard times. And then all of that was stripped away from me for the sake of having a high graduation rate and a good school grade. Right. And then I got pregnant. And that's when I really noticed everything. Because I wasn't on my anxiety meds, which kind of glossed over everything, made everything a little bit softer, made my experience more enjoyable because I was I was looking a little bit more at the whole picture and letting things slide off a little bit easier. And then once I came back from Christmas break and I couldn't be on my anxiety meds and I was already on edge because we had had a miscarriage and it, I started noticing a lot more how often in a single hour I was disrespected. And I couldn't, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I didn't know what to do because I knew I didn't want to quit in the middle of the school year. We had a baby coming. We needed the income and I didn't have another job and I I couldn't really get another job pregnant. Like I know it's illegal, but who's going to hire me when I'm five months pregnant and going to have to go on maternity leave soon, you know? So we were kind of at a loss and I didn't really know what was going to happen until we had a conversation out on our deck and you again told me to quit. And that was the first time I really felt like I had permission to even think of that as a possibility. I hadn't even allowed myself to go there. We were sitting on the deck and there was a little breeze. I was pregnant. I was complaining about school and you said you should just quit. And I was like, what? I said that before though. Why don't you get your real estate license? Oh, 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 now I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, do you think I could really just like get another job like that? And you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll work around the budget. But yeah, and that, and that was so liberating having and hearing that from you. Yeah, I remember your mom. She, she was like, can we really like, can we really just like not afford like, you know, get like, can you really not afford like Susie's like salary or whatever? Can you, like, really, can you really live without Susie's salary? Yeah, and I'm like, maybe. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll find out. Yeah, like, we'll be, it'll be fine. Um, yeah, so, she's pretty negative about it. Yeah, she, uh, like. Again, yeah, again, yeah, you're, putting the job over the mental health. That's a, yeah, that's. Yeah, your parents definitely didn't want you to quit. But me, me growing up in a, like, house um, where my mom was stay-at-home, three of my sisters are now stay-at-home moms. Um, I know the importance of being a stay-at-home mom. I know everyone financially aren't able to do that, but if you can, I mean, I know the benefits of it. It may not seem beneficial because 
things might be tight, but um, it's just temporary, you know. But we weren't in a place where I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. You just said quit and do something else. But, I mean, maybe, but uh, maybe. I mean, I I knew I was fully prepared for you to not go back to work. So whatever I mean, what you're what you're currently doing now just kind of fell in, in the lap and kind of happened. But I was fully prepared for for you to not continue working, which I think you thrive not working, to be honest. So I know. I think you're. I know I did you thrive. More, you get more in a routine. My psychiatrist. My psychiatrist was like, "Well, you didn't have to take your Klonopin, like, right after you gave birth. Why not? When did you have to start taking it again?" And I was like, "Yeah, when I went back to work." I can have my routine. I don't have to like answer to anyone. I just generally find so much joy in like doing house chores, cleaning up the kitchen just now. Except for, except for cleaning the floors. Yes. Which is like the easiest thing in the world. You literally push it. I don't like sweeping. Vacuuming. So tell me about when I finally did quit. What was that experience like for you? Um, let's see. So we kind of already knew though, when you quit that you're going to be working for your dad and stuff like that. Um, but I was definitely, I mean, I was, like I said, I was preparing for it for you to quit and well, I, guess I knew what... that you, I was like there the entire time you're pregnant. I'm like, there's no way that she's can, we can have her go back to work and the baby to like survive. Like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's just like not very realistic and three months isn't even that long you know like a, a as for yeah. maternity leave like that is not long at all it might seem like a lot or a long time and then i mean it's not a long time that that flew by um but i do remember you sending the email i just i kept on asking you like every week i'm like did you send it yet did you send it yet there's no way I would have been able to take care of the baby and you to go to school for eight hours a day. Well, what you have you noticed in like our day. relationship and my personality? Your relate our relationship. I mean, our relationship in person. I mean, it's been like the same, other than other than you being less stressed. Like you were, it was definitely a little bit more. I don't want to say strained because that sound that sounds like a bad word. Like because it definitely wasn't strained. Um, or anything like that, but I mean, it was all also... my mental health and my experience in school was impacting our relationship. Um, well, I didn't know if it was the that or the pregnancy, <sighs> because the, your last year of teaching, you were pregnant, so right. Um, and so the so I wasn't sure if it was like this stress of being pregnant because we just had a miscarriage, or if it was just both of that and being a teacher. Um, or like being a teacher and like the thought of having a miscarriage. So then there's that. Um, but in the summer, I mean, summer was a great time with you being pregnant and, um, not working. I thought that was a, that was a fun time. So which part of it, like there's too many (laughs) factors and can I really, can I really hone in on, um, for whether or not it impacted our marriage, you know? Yeah, there are parts of teaching that I miss. There were relationships that were really beautiful. There were hilarious things that happened. There were moments where I felt like I was really making a difference. But overall, 
I, in my experience and in my school and in my district, and especially in our state, like I can't imagine being a teacher with all of the things that I can't do or say or teach in order to create a safe space for my students. And I feel like just on top of not being respected and not being able to hold my kids to a high standard academically, I couldn't even really support them emotionally and create a, a safe space for them. Like I, I would have just had my hands tied and felt felt so useless. So there are a few aspects that I missed, but overall, I wouldn't have been able to be a teacher, like a teacher in the way that I value it. I'm going to be a little bit extreme here. I think all schools should shut down. Go back to <laughs> go back to homeschool, okay? Um, but er, one of them, and then one person, like most of the time, you know, public schools suck. Public it's schools. True. Whether you're on both, whether you're on both sides of the aisle, either side of the aisle, public school kind of sucks. Um, and I know, understand people can't. They have to send their kids to school because there's like they yeah, they yeah. Um, go on dual. They have dual income or something like that, but um, or need the income. And I get that. I was really lucky when I went to my high school. It was that I taught at as well. I went there during like the golden years. I always stood by public education. And now that I see how much has been lost, I realize why people say public education isn't the greatest. But like. I was the reason why I thrived and excelled in college and in life is because of the things that I learned in high school. I took like 13 or 14 AP classes. I was in so many extracurriculars. I was held to such a high standard. I honed in on my writing skills, on my analytical skills, on my ability to theorize on top of the fact that my school was very diverse compared to a lot of other public schools in the country. So I got to be friends with and learn from kids from different cultures, of different religions, of different just like personality types and interests. And I think it really rounded me out very well. But it's just not like that anymore. And I mean, I mean, yeah, schools, school education 15 years ago was a lot different than it was now. I mean, they had their own struggles around, uh, you know, for that time. Sure. And not uh, to mention, like, it's so dangerous. I don't feel safe at school. I agree. I, that's why I told you to quit. How many times did I oh, remember? Remember you? the last your last like two weeks of school? They had like three code red. They were code whites, but yeah, whites. Bomb. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, I had gone through multiple code reds. Code yellows obviously goes with code red. Code whites. We were very close to Parkland. Um, I started teaching the year that happened. I had students that knew both the victims and the Nicholas Cruz. So it was all very real and very present and like an ever-present threat. So many cops on campus every morning. Just anytime there was an announcement that was about to be relayed over the intercom, you weren't sure if it was going to be a regular announcement about like football practice being canceled or... At this time, we are entering into a code yellow or God right. forbid the panic when the front office lady was like code red and it was real. And you could tell in her voice we, there was like a very serious, obvious threat and we didn't know what was going to happen next. Right. Yeah. I mean, 
people are safer at home. Um, I mean, they, I mean, as, as far as kids and families, um, obviously the government wants us to stay at home, but that's another rabbit hole to go down. But our plan is to homeschool Hawthorne, not in the traditional sense, not in the um, way that people assume that homeschoolers are, where they're weird and being taught by their mom and they don't talk to other kids. Probably a homeschool co-op group. I don't want to teach. I don't know how to teach little kids. I can't imagine. I think a lot of teaching. people say that and then they, they end up, you know, figuring it out just like because they have no idea what exactly to do. Right. Okay. But yeah, but I actually did try to teach sixth graders and couldn't. So I know I do not have that skill set. So our the way that homeschool would ideally work for us is we would find a local homeschool co-op group. There would be a teacher. There would we would they would probably meet up two to three times a week, learn, and then do like school stuff at home the rest of the week. We could find a forest school. That would be really cool. I talked to a friend of mine who is a forest school teacher who has a forest school. Um, or for the primary years, do like a Montessori or Waldorf style school. I think that would be really cool. But it's a shame that yeah, we'll go by we'll go year by year. Um. I'm not saying that I'm against sending him to school, um, but I do think those, what other time do we have with him um, after 18 or, you know, how much time do we really have? He's going to start his own life after that. So I'm really just trying to look at it long-term wise, um, how we can instill our values that we think are, beneficial to the society um that we can instill into him so that's how i look at it that's how i look at a whole school i know a lot of people look at it like he's like he'll the he'll be, kids will be like have no social iq or anything like that and i think that is total bs i think there's plenty of social things that you can do outside of home outside of schooling that is so where kids can develop their social skills like sports yeah, and let's, um, like, for anybody that hasn't listened to our podcast before, you were homeschooled. You are the um, result of this. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's, there is, outside of sports, there's other things, too. I mean, like, one of my nieces does, like, knitting. And she loves it, right? Yeah. I don't know. Her, her, yeah, I forgot if it was knitting or crocheting. I forget. But, like, she goes to this, like, you know, crochet group, and they, like, crochet together right and there's other things too i mean like you know there's there's church you can go to yeah if you're not if you're not like religious i'm sure there's there's something other things that you can do too groups yeah. plenty of yeah. groups out there um and i mean just having a good group of friends that's also having kids and stuff like that oh my all, god that's all stuff that's all stuff that you develop those social skills that you need to be a valuable member of society it's not just yeah. it's School is not just for, there's so much more pros of homeschooling oh. than um, pros of sending your kid to school, telling them to listen to a teacher that you have no clue who that teacher is, and they're instilling their biased values on your kid. I know, and that's a whole other conversation where it comes to biased values, because when you said we want to instill our values into our son that we think will make him a working, like, valuable member of society i wouldn't say that we have different values i think at the end of the day we have very similar values but we are very opposite on the political spectrum 
And I think that could be a really interesting conversation for people to hear. Because when people talk about sending their kids to school or not sending their kids to school, I feel like recently it's been very political. Like, I don't want to send my kids, or maybe it's just because we're in Florida. I don't want to send my kids to school because they're talking about gay people. And I don't want them pushing their leftist agenda on my kid. But that's not like, that's not the space where we're coming from. And when we talk about our values, it's it's not in a political sense. And it is it is scary. Um, I mean, some of the teachers that I knew and the things that they were doing in their classrooms and the things that they were teaching, either side of the aisle, it's scary. Especially when you don't have a teacher, one, who wants to be there. That's damaging to a student because they can feed off of that energy. And two, when you have a teacher that isn't there to relationship build, to care for your child, to teach them life skills, emotional skills, like, that's terrifying to me. I just, I, I, I'm going off on a tangent, but I would send my kid to school if I knew that all of the teachers had, were like me as a teacher. <laughs> they put the students first. They put the relationship first. You don't know who your students are with. A lot of the time, these teachers, ha I know teachers who have said and done very terrifying things um, to students of mine, with students of mine, and I think that I can only trust sending my kid to a school if I knew, one, that it was safe, and two, all the teachers had the same values that I did as a teacher, where they want to be there, they care for the kids, they want the best for them. They want to foster a nurturing environment and they want to set them up for success. But unfortunately, a lot of teachers aren't doing that. They're not coming from that mindset. And a lot of teachers that I know are just there for the paycheck, sitting in school, passing kids. Not right. And I, I mean, not, not everyone. Yeah, exactly. That, and that's scary. Like these people that are just there to, you know, there for the paycheck. But I mean, um, and and they're literally raising your kids yeah. yeah you know what i mean and so like that part is that part is scary the safety thing is scary um you know i just i want my kids to spend time with who i think is gonna give them value in life and i don't know these teachers on a personal level you know i don't know if they're um teaching them things that i don't i don't approve of um you know and you know, God forbid, you know, there's a teacher that is, you know, trying to. Predatory. Know, yeah, it's like a predatory kid or uh, toward, towards yeah. my kid, you know. Yeah. So um, and and that's just like I know like you're I'm just trying to protect my kids as long as I can before I let them out in the world without with also teaching them and instilling them the, the right things before they kind of go out of the nest. So and it's a I, it's a fine line, right? Because you kids are easy. also don't you don't want to be overbearing. You don't want to be like I want to control all of the experiences that they have, because they need to have their own experiences that we're not a part of. I cannot imagine the kind of person that I would be if it weren't for me going off and meeting people on my own and doing things that my parents probably wouldn't have approved of, but ultimately built me to be a better person. We can't have that control the whole time, but at the same time, in the parts that we can protect. I mean, it's just, it's a fine line and it's, it's hard to find that balance. I'm looking for the questions of the day. I don't know what these questions were and I don't know what these are going to say, 
I will just read these answers told. My goal in life is to be rich and have a house in the middle of nowhere. I get that. So no one can so no one can bother me and I would just have food and other things delivered to my house. I don't know how you do that if you live in the no- middle of nowhere. I think that's the point, but good on you. Yes. Like I like that have, one though. I have a dream slash goal to win my mom's trust back again. I don't know how or why, but I know is that is what that is all I need in 2018. I am 95.7% sure that I can get to the top of this goal by the end of 2018. I still don't know what steps I'm going to take, but that's okay because I want it and I will do it. I mean, what it, what did the kid do to break the trust? I don't know. I also kind of don't want to know, but I kind of do want to know at the same time. For this year, I have a goal to pass the FSA testing. To reach my goal, I have to read more so I can have a better reading skill. I'm trying to read every day at least 15 minutes. I also need to practice my writing skills, and I think writing short stories will help me. And the last thing I need to do is just pray. P-R-E-Y. Amen. My goal in life is to have a boyfriend because I'm tired of being single. My steps to get there are find the right one, someone who holds the door for me, knows goals for themselves and a good personality sounds another goal is to stop animal abuse herself or their self or (laughs) in general or just like globally Okay, here we go here we go it's because we were reading of mice and men so i didn't have a question on race because one of the characters is black and everyone i think there is okay gotcha i personally believe that stereotypes are not all true it's like saying all black people like fried chicken who doesn't like fried chicken? Everybody likes fried chicken. I Even do. you like it. Yeah, you do. We eat <laughs> Chick-fil-A a lot. They're used to. A stereotype that I hear a lot is that Brazilians should have a guitar-shaped body, and that is not true. We all have different bodies and should be acknowledged as human be- that human beings are all different. I also hear that if I lose weight, I would look pretty, but I already feel pretty, so I don't care. You tell them, sis. I love it. I love it. I have two best friends, and their personality is the best. One of my friends is Kelly. Oh, one of my friends is really nice, and they're for me. My other friend is all right, but she's nice. <laughs> oh, her dad is the vice president of Fiji Water. This gives you guys an idea of where I work. Um, that's why you see me with Fiji Water. All the other water is shit compared to Fiji. My other friend... Her dad sells really nice boats, like cruise ships. So she ain't cheap. She's a rich bitch. Oh, this was about should the government provide assistance to people, government, mm. financial government assistance. I'm here for it. No, they should not provide for those people because this kind of action breeds weakness. And people who are weak make up a weak and useless society. If the people want to be under the government's rule or if the people want to be under the government's protection, then they should work and find a way to earn a place in the society. Those who don't want to work or those who have a criminal record and can't get a job need to deal with the situation themselves and not constantly rely on the government. I thought that was a little harsh. This was about, I don't know if this was about um 
some, something related to crime. I think it should be public and that the murderer should be hunted by the people instead of executed. I mean, hunted is a... Uh... Yeah, like the, the most dangerous game. An addiction is both illness and a crime because a person is breaking the law to become ill and make his life worse. Dish addiction should be first punished and then treated in prison. An addiction is also a way to prove how strong a person is. If they can get out of their addiction, then they can just be punished without being treated. If the person chooses not to treat it and the treatment by the government fails, then the person should get an extended time of punishment. Or if it's a person from another country, then they should be exiled. Okay. I will never go back to teaching, and I'm so happy. The end. Thank you so much for joining me this week for this conversation. If you enjoyed this episode or you enjoy the podcast in general, I would love for you to subscribe so you'll never miss out on upcoming episodes featuring other brilliant minds and insightful topics. Also, don't forget to rate and review while you're at it. Your ratings and feedback mean the world to me and help me reach more listeners. So, Misty and loves you. Have the best day ever. Same time next week. Bye.